Remain standing for the reading of our gospel lesson. Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 8. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salam brought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go tell the disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. This is the gospel of the Lord. Amen. You may be seated. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you on this Resurrection Sunday. And we celebrate and our hearts are glad because you indeed have overcome by your death and your resurrection. You have overcome sin, you have overcome death, and you have overcome the enemy of our souls, the devil. And we thank you, Heavenly Father, that you have given to us your resurrection victory. So I pray now in the name of Jesus that your Holy Spirit would speak to our hearts and to our minds. Lord, that you would open our eyes. Uh, Lord, that we would see you as the one who indeed is risen from the dead. Uh, that you would open our hearts, that, that uh, you would uh, cause us to receive you, Heavenly Father, into our lives. That, that we would live and, and experience the power of the resurrection at work within us. And Heavenly Father, that you would remind us daily that because you are risen, uh, we too have eternal life and and we have victory over the enemy. So, Lord, we pray that you would bless this time that we have here together as we open your word. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You know the liturgy. He is risen. I'd like to teach you a little different version of that. I say he is risen. And you say, therefore, I am risen indeed. I am risen indeed. Because you are risen indeed. Can we practice that? You are risen. Therefore, I am risen indeed. And you indeed are raised with Jesus Christ. The resurrection victory of our Lord has been given to you. Today we talk about the story of Easter. We look at the disciples. The disciples who were brought from despair to joy. From despair to joy. You know what it's like to experience joy uh, after going through times of despair. It was my birthday a couple of weeks ago. I turned 40 years old. I can't believe I'm 40. And um, my, my wife, she, she baked me a cake and she had black lettering on it. It said, happy birthday, old man, uh, on it. And she made me my, my two favorite cakes, just so everybody knows this, and I think it's important that the congregation knows my two favorite, 
my two favorite cakes are chocolate cake with chocolate frosting and carrot cake, uh, obviously with the classic carrot cake uh, frosting. So now you guys know, write it down, my birthday is March 20th. <laughs> <laughs> now she, she brought the, the cake out, and, and another thing is very important is I love ice cream with my cake especially chocolate cake and carrot cake, vanilla ice cream. So she brought the cake out, and I saw the cake, and I was just delighted. I love cake. And, um, but then I saw there was no ice cream, and I said, where's the ice cream? And she said, uh, well, we forgot to buy the ice cream. Talk about despair, <laughs> not having ice cream on my birthday. And then I saw the kids were snickering, and they said, just kidding, and they, they brought the ice cream out for me. From, from despair to joy... Ever lost something important to you? I'm the type of guy that loses things. One time I was swimming uh, with the youth group at the beach and was actually on a mission trip down in Southern California. We were at Huntington Beach and I was swimming and I had lost my wallet and everything was in there. I had a lot of money in there. Have you ever felt that before? That feeling in your gut when you've lost something so important to you? Well, I went to the nearest lifeguard station and I said, hey, I lost my wallet, and I said, has anybody turned a wallet in? And he says, yeah, somebody turned a wallet in, and he opened it up and said, who are you? He, I said, yeah, it's, it's Adam Jensen, and he said, well, the, the ID matches, so it must be your wallet, and he said, don't expect to get any money, and I go, and I take the wallet, I open it, and all the money's there, nothing's missing. From despair to joy, have you ever lost one of your kids before? I was out playing in our yard in New York, and we have a three-year-old, and she was two at the time. And I turned my back for a second, and she's gone. She's gone. I look everywhere. First thing I do when I lose my two-year-old is I go straight for the street, because uh, I want to make sure that she's not there. But I looked, and I looked. She went to her friend's house. She went to Sadie's house. She had to walk through the through the, the, the graveyard and then through another backyard and just like that. When I saw her, the joy and the relief from despair to joy. Almost losing my dad. Hearing this report from my mom that they had gone to the doctor and my dad only had uh, two to three years to live. Talk about despair. First thing I did is I went to the leaders of the church and I said, I've got to move back to Washington. I've got to move back to the area where they live. And, and they said, wait a minute, just let's pray. Let's pray. And we, we prayed. Then my dad ended up coming to New York to see another cancer doctor. And he was able to do surgery and cured my dad. And when he came out of that surgery... Uh, it was almost like resurrection joy. Doctor said, no cancer, no cancer. From despair to joy, from despair to joy. This is the story of Easter. On the first Good Friday, there was great despair. Many had placed their, their trust in Jesus. They, they looked to Jesus for hope. They looked to Jesus as the one who would conquer all of their enemies. They said, finally, Messiah is here and we will once again be an independent people. 
but Jesus was crucified. He was crucified by the very people whom many believed Jesus would conquer. On Good Friday, it seemed as if the enemy of God gained the upper hand. Good Friday, Jesus was buried in a tomb, and the tomb was sealed. And for three days, Jesus' lifeless body lay in the tomb. What a, what a journey the last week of Jesus' life had been for the disciples. What a difference between Palm Sunday and Good Friday. Actually, the past three years had been a life-changing journey for the disciples. Think of it. Think of being one of those disciples who followed Jesus throughout his ministry. They witnessed his miracles of healing, of, of exorcism, of feeding the multitudes of walking on water, Jesus raising the dead. They believed he was Messiah. Good Friday, he was crucified and buried. They listened to Jesus' teachings. He's, he taught, the, the Bible says, like no one else. He taught with authority. He even outwitted the religious authorities. And Jesus reached out with compassion, and they were witnesses of this compassion. He reached out with great compassion to the outcasts of society. He touched lepers. He ate with tax collectors, prostitutes, and notorious sinners. Revolutionary. He welcomed children. He said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. That is revolutionary too. And he elevated the position and the dignity of women. What a journey the disciples had experienced during three years of Jesus' ministry. What a revolutionary experience. Now the disciples have lost their Savior on Good Friday. Many of you know the feeling of losing someone close to you. You know the, the emotions of grief. You know all of those emotions. It's, it's difficult. And the disciples' emotions were no different. They were no different. No doubt traumatic. Emotions of anxiety, deep sadness, disappointment, and anger. What a journey. From the mountaintop to the lowest of low imaginable on Good Friday. You see, the disciples had left everything to follow Jesus. The disciples' commitment to Jesus wasn't a casual association. They were disciples in the truest and purest meaning of the word. They were disciples who followed Jesus, learning from Jesus, and imitated the character of Jesus in their lives. They weren't perfect disciples, perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But Jesus had grabbed a hold of them and Jesus had changed their lives. And the impact Jesus had upon their lives was absolutely life-changing. What a journey it was for them. There's probably a person in your life who has impacted you deeply. And you know the feeling of despair when you lose that person. This is what the disciples went through. 
on this side of the cross, we know about the resurrection. We know what Good Friday leads to and we anticipate the resurrection reality of Jesus' victory over sin, over death, and over hell. But the disciples didn't have faith in, in this kind of a resurrection, even though Jesus had told them about the resurrection. Good Friday, they thought, that's it, he's dead. He's dead, where do we go now? What do we do now? With the events of Good Friday, it's not surprising that the disciples' faith in Jesus was, it was shattered. It was shattered into a million pieces. So the disciples hid themselves. They, they locked the doors because they were afraid of the Jewish authorities. Not only had they lost their Messiah, but they thought of themselves as outlaws. They went into hiding, hiding from the religious authorities. On the run, despair, doubt, and downright unbelief. Unless we see him, unless we touch him, we will not believe. It wasn't just doubting Thomas. They were all filled with doubt and despair. But thanks be to God, despair and unbelief didn't last long. The disciples' joy. On the Sunday of Jesus' resurrection, two of the disciples went to the tomb. Who are these two disciples? They're written about in our gospel lesson. Two disciples, two followers of Jesus, their names Mary and another woman named Mary. Two followers of Jesus, two believers in Jesus, two, two women whose hearts Jesus had changed, two women who labored for the sake of Jesus. Two women who left brave enough to leave the relative safety of the locked room to go and to care for Jesus' body. Two women who became the first evangelists of the good news of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. These women saw that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance and they were astonished. They entered the tomb. There they saw an angel who proclaimed to them the message of the resurrection. And the angel said, don't be alarmed. You were looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See the place where they lay him? But go, go and tell. Go and tell his disciples and Peter, which is very significant. Because remember, Peter was the one who would deny Jesus. He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. What a ride. From absolute despair to unspeakable joy, Jesus is not dead. He is alive. He is risen just as he said. What a ride. And the ride went from joy to lives changed all over the world because of this message of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and today your life has been impacted by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What's the meaning of Easter for you? 
does Easter have an impact on people today? You know the answer to that question, yes. In the same way the disciples went from despair to joy, we can be brought to this place of joy in the reality of resurrection. Jesus brought the first disciples on a journey. Does Jesus still take disciples on journeys today in 2018? Can you be impacted by the resurrection to the same extent the disciples were impacted by Jesus' resurrection? Can you have that same resurrection experience in your life which absolutely changes and transforms you and sets you on a completely different trajectory? Can I say the word? A completely different course in life. <laughs> you can. And you have. You might not know it. You might not feel it. Because sometimes these, these realities are not felt. But they're still a reality. You are changed by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, the resurrection isn't just a nice story. It gives a little encouragement. True story, two Lutheran pastors were doing dishes together after dinner while their wives chatted over coffee. One Lutheran pastor asked his friend, who's also a pastor, what are you preaching about on Sunday? He said, I'm preaching about Jesus feeding the multitudes. And he said, wouldn't it have been amazing, wouldn't it have been amazing to be there to witness Jesus bringing out of just one boy's lunch a meal that fed thousands and thousands of people? And the other Lutheran pastor looked at him and says, you don't really believe that, do you? And he says, yeah, I do. He says, what do you believe about it? He said, I believe it was a miracle of generosity. So they began to talk a little more, and then he said, what about the resurrection? Lutheran pastor says, well, it's just a nice story that gives people hope. No faith, no belief in the resurrection. The resurrection isn't just a nice story that gives a little encouragement. The resurrection of Jesus impacts us so much that we become a resurrection people too. You are a resurrection child of God. You share in Jesus' resurrection to the same extent that Jesus was raised from death to life, you have been raised from death to life. And one day even your mortal body, which will be laid in a grave, will be resurrected when Jesus comes again. A physical resurrection for you. So some pastors will be talking about spring this morning, a new beginning, the encouragement of flowers and sunshine. Today, I'm talking about the joy of actual resurrection, actual resurrection victory for you. You have been raised from the dead. Sin is defeated. Death is defeated. Satan is defeated. First, the defeat of sin. 
the defeat of sin by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Sin in you is dead. Sin in you is defeated. You're alive. You're eternally resurrected with Jesus. Turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2 today. Ephesians chapter 2. And here Paul writes about your resurrection in Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2. St. Paul writes in Ephesians 2.1, And you were dead in the transgressions and, and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the air, the spirit that is now at work, and the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived, and the passions of our flesh, flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind, dead in trans trespasses and sin. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Verse 6, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Dead to sin, alive in Jesus Christ. Sin brought death to the soul. Sin separated you from God. Whenever a person is separated from God, there is actually a vacuum of life. There is no life when a person is separated from him. And Greek is beautiful because it actually gives us two words. There's a, a word for physical life and there's a word for spiritual life. The word for spiritual life is zoe. There is no zoe. There is no true life, spiritual life, apart from God. Now the body, the flesh, it keeps going... Even while the zoe, there is no zoe, but, but the soul is dead. Therefore, we, we, all we can do is try to satisfy the cravings of the flesh. And that's our old sin nature. It's that old dead nature. The only thing the unbeliever has is the cravings of the flesh. All he or she has is flesh because the unbeliever is dead and trespasses and sin. There is no life. So all they can do is just try to grab for whatever they can to find some sort of meaning in life. So people attempt to satisfy the cravings of the flesh in many ways. The two main ways people attempt to satisfy the cravings of the carnal nature is by an excess of sin. Or, on the other hand, other people attempt to satisfy the flesh through legalistic righteousness. So some just try to 
they dive in there, the hedonists, you know, they, they dive in head first. Others turn to legalistic righteousness and attempt to try to get a sense of goodness within them. Both ways are dead ends. Neither of those ways will bring life. It doesn't matter how good a person is. It doesn't matter how much good a person accomplishes. No matter how many things or actions they do, no matter how they try to avoid the harmful vices of life, the Spirit hasn't been made alive. They haven't been resurrected with Jesus. They have no means of really overcoming the carnal nature of the flesh or the sin that so terribly infects the soul. All human achievement, no matter how good, no matter how good, cannot make a person alive again. It doesn't matter how hard you try. You can't do it. You can't resurrect yourself. Jesus has a different way. Jesus doesn't say, clean up your life. Jesus says, I will resurrect you. I'll make you alive again. I'll fill you with my Holy Spirit. Jesus' means is not us making ourselves better, but Jesus' means is resurrection. To be made alive again. Jesus' solution isn't hedonism, give in to your cravings, or legalism, attempt to do more good. Jesus' solution is resurrection. He resurrects those who are dead in trespasses and sins. He makes you alive. He frees you from the condemnation of sin. He frees you from death. He frees you from the works of the devil. And this isn't from yourselves. Jesus does this for you. He does this in you. He makes you alive again. Alive like our first parents were alive in the garden so long ago. Connected to the tr triune God. Free in him. Free in the gospel to serve his plans and his purposes. Sin is dead within you. By the death of Jesus, the sin that infects your soul is dead. And you are raised from death by the resurrection of Christ. So today, let me pronounce your death. You died with Christ. And today, let me pronounce your resurrection. You are alive in Christ. Alive today and alive for eternity. Not only is sin dead and not only are you resurrected, death will, it will not win the victory over your mortal body. What a terrible thing death must be to an unbeliever. Not knowing that, that, that there is life in Christ and that there is security in Christ. For many, life beyond the grave is an enigma. They have no certainty about anything. They, they might have thoughts of heaven and of hell, but they're really not sure where they're going. Or they may have thoughts of, of becoming a spirit that haunts their relatives. Or becoming an angel 
or of reincarnation or of annihilation. Those without Christ really have no hope in the light of death. They really don't know what's going to happen. But we have great hope, great hope. It's not this kind of hope that says, well, I hope so. I hope this this happens and I hope I'm going to heaven. But a hope that lays hold of the absolute promises of God. It's a hope that says, I know that what God has said in his word is true. Our hope is in two realities regarding death and resurrection. First, when you die, you have the great promise of heaven. To be absent from the body, the Bible says, is to be present with the Lord. If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, if you believe in him, you are saved. Your sins are forgiven, and heaven is your home. This is the promise attached to Jesus' death and resurrection. No need to fear or wonder about your death. Jesus has, a, has you. His promises are true. He'll never let you go, even unto death. Second, another promise about death and resurrection is when Jesus comes again to judge the living and the dead, your mortal body will experience a resurrection like Jesus' bodily resurrection. Not only is your resurrection spiritual in nature, it is also physical in nature. The dead in Christ will be raised on the last day. All the dead will be raised on the day of judgment. And what a day that will be. Many will rise on the last day to face judgment. Many will be cast into the lake of fire. But we who have been granted repentance and faith by the power of the gospel will be raised to inherit the new heaven and the new earth. All of this won for us by Jesus to live with him for eternity. Jesus defeated sin. Jesus defeated death. And Jesus defeated the enemy of our souls. This was foretold in Genesis 3.15. By the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, Satan has been crushed. His doom is sure. According to Jude 6 and Revelation 20, Satan is bound until the appointed time of his brief release. And then the great and awful day of judgment. Because Jesus won victory over Satan by his death and resurrection, we have victory over Satan too. You have victory over Satan. Because you are a resurrection child of God. Did you know that it only takes one little word? It takes one word to cause him to flee. One word. And he has to go. Because Christ has defeated the enemy, you too have power over the enemy. I taught my last congregation how to do exorcisms. When I told them I was going to do that, their eyes got really wide. It's easy. Pray this petition of the Lord's Prayer. Deliver us from evil. And he has to go. He has to go. He must flee. Sin is defeated. You are dead to sin and alive in Christ. Death is defeated. You are going to heaven. Satan is defeated. He has no power 
over you. And people today don't have a clue. They don't have a clue that sin, death, and Satan are the real issue which plagues humanity today. People are attempting self-diagnostics and applying man-made remedies to the problem of evil which has infected our world. They're looking for solutions that have no grounding in God's true word. They don't know. They don't know that Jesus has overcome evil by the shedding of his blood and by his resurrection. They haven't been connected to the death and resurrection of Jesus because they have not heard. They have not heard the message of the gospel. They have not heard this message, which is the power of God unto salvation. It is my prayer that a resurrection of our hearts and minds would take place. And by the resurrection of our hearts and minds, a resurrection of missionary zeal for our neighborhood would be birthed within our hearts today because people need to know this message. They need to know the real issue and they need to know the real solution. They must know. You've been brought from despair to joy. Jesus has resurrected you from being dead in trespasses and sin to life. Jesus has promised you heaven and a bodily resurrection. And Jesus' resurrection victory has given you victory over Satan. This is your joy. Jesus and his resurrection victory. The joy of the believer. And because this is our joy, we are those who share. We are those who go and tell this message to others. In the same way the angel told the women to go and to tell. We are to go and to tell. With freedom in the gospel, let's be a people who share the joy of resurrection life within this community. May we be a people who, who share our journey with Jesus with this community. Let's tell them how we have been brought from despair to joy by the message of the gospel. Let's tell them about Jesus and how he has brought resurrection victory to our life. Your story of resurrection is powerful. You have a powerful testimony because you too have been raised from death to life. You have something worth sharing. My dad was working at the University of Washington as a young man in his late 20s. I was a baby. But there he was at work. Um, the men he was working with, he was working with two other guys, began to share the gospel with my dad. They began to talk about Jesus with my dad. And at the same time, this was going on, some ladies from the neighborhood knocked on our door. They invited my mom to a Bible study. My mom was going to pretend like she wasn't there, and she thought they were Jehovah's Witnesses, and she just let them knock and go away. But something said, open the door. Open the door. There were the ladies with an invitation. Come to Bible study. So she went. 
So through the witness of, of some guys that my dad was working with at the University of Washington and through some ladies in the neighborhood who actually knocked on her door and invited her, my parents became believers when I was just a baby, very young. How many people do you live next to? How many people do you work with who need Jesus? Is there anybody in your life today that needs this message? That needs the message of the resurrection? I want to encourage you. I want you to write their name or their names down. Write down their name. If you can't write the name down, keep the name in your head. There has to be somebody. There has to be somebody that you can share this message with. Who is that somebody in your life? Who is it? Write it in your Bible. Write it on a piece of paper. Don't forget the name. Because that person needs Jesus. That person needs Jesus. It might be a family member, one of your children, a coworker, a neighbor. Maybe it's a neighbor you've never met. Maybe you live next to somebody and you've never even said hi to them. Who is that person? Write their name down and we will start praying for that person. We'll pray during these gatherings for that person. Because they too need to experience the resurrection reality of Jesus Christ. So we will pray for you and we will pray for the people whom you would like to share Jesus with. We'll pray that they'll know the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We'll pray. We'll pray. We'll pray that, that you will have the courage to share. To share your story of resurrection. We'll pray. So may God grant us the motivation May God grant us the ability to share the good news of the resurrection with this community. May many within this community come to know the reality and the joy of Jesus' resurrection at work in their lives. What a story. What a reality. You've experienced it. You know it. Let's share it. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you. And we do thank you and we praise you for your resurrection. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that your resurrection victory has been given to us. It's not something that we always experience existentially. It's not something that we always feel, but it's still a reality, whether we feel it or not. Sometimes, Lord, we, we, we do walk through times of great despair and anguish in this life, even as resurrection people. So, Lord, help us to be honest about the struggles that we face in life so that we can receive resurrection promise from our brothers and sisters in Christ and this fellowship of believers. And, Lord, right now I specifically pray for these names. Many names. Written down many names in the minds of people right now. We pray specifically for these people. We pray that the Holy Spirit would begin to do a work in their hearts and their minds. We pray, Heavenly Father, that they would, 
that they would be, uh, that you would cause them, Lord Jesus, to realize their need for a Savior. And we ask, Heavenly Father, that you would give courage and strength to those who are a part of this congregation, that you would give them courage and strength to share the good news, to begin building relationships, relationships through which the reality of your resurrection and of our resurrection would be shared with others. Lord, may the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ absolutely revolutionize this congregation and this community. It's in the name of Jesus we pray and all of God's children say, amen.